gonna beat the shit out of Thanos. <laughs> Hulk's gonna wear the new gauntlet, dude, because he's the only one strong enough. Yeah, I don't know, it's man. Gonna it's gonna be awesome. Oh man, that's what I want. I'm so excited. I know that'd be so. I good. want Tony to build it. Mm-hmm. Hulk. What do you do What do you think is gonna happen if he? Uh, you know. What do you want to have happen? I was I what I thought originally was gonna happen was that um there was gonna be two sides to it like they were the people who were snapped would be in another place oh. and they have their own mission to come back and it mm. all kind of crescendos into a big battle sent to another dimension like that episode of Young Justice yeah where the parents get sent somewhere but the kids are left on the pl- or you know but it's like two different planets or yeah. dimensions that would have been dope oh yeah let me pitch this to you. Because we were talking about how Disney now owns Fox and we're probably going to get within two years or whatever some announcements, some plans for X-Men characters, Fantastic Four. I have a friend, I got a buddy on Twitter, Melvin Brown. He he threw up a little Twitter poll. He's like, what do you want to see in the next Black Panther movie? He was like, Fantastic Four, Namor the Submariner, Doctor Doom in Latveria. And I was immediately like, Doctor Doom is the most... Oh, yeah. and, and, and the other option he had was Storm of the X-Men to introduce her in the story of Wakanda because her and T'Challa at some point get married mm-hmm. and they knew each other when they were kids. That was that Storm's backstory, being from Africa. So how do you feel about bringing in Doctor Doom into a Black Panther sequel? Oh, yeah. that'd be great. Lead <laughs> right into Doom War. But you, exactly. See, Doom War. I but don't know Doom War. Doom War is just when Black Panther and Wakanda go up against Dr. Doom in Latveria. Oh, like, really? Yeah. Yes. So I was like, yeah. the whole pitch was like, if you're going to build up Dr. Doom in his whole fictional country, like that is a worthy, th- make them a worthy threat, you should put them up against T'Challa. Because that's Dr. all. Cause Doom? You already got Dr. Doom. Who's Dr. Doom? Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem. But I'll take, I'll take anybody. I'll take an actual Eastern European actor to play Dr. Doom. Ooh, uh, no, Mads Mikkelsen's already done. Viggo Mortensen? Viggo Mortensen? <laughs> uh, Too quiet. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I about to say? But you some, have... Some gravitas. If he has an Imperius Rex tattoo. Yeah. So you're a big fan of Namor the Submariner. Uh, well, I, I like his vibe. I like everything about him. His arrogance. His, yeah, because there's Confidence. something about someone who's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get what I need and want. And that's kind of that energy that mm-hmm. I think we should, everyone should have a little piece of name on them. Definitely not as, you know, I like that. Uh, forcefully forcing someone to love you. But <laughs> I think in some elements, it's like, you know, put, put, sometimes you got to put yourself first and do what has to be done to make mm-hmm. sure you're happy. You got to have that Get BDE. Flat top. Yeah. Yeah, that flat top, flat top haircut, and the yeah. speedos, yeah. wings on your feet for some. So how are you not going to have ears? confidence with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that flat top. Hey, everybody, welcome to the 500 Greatest Films podcast. My name is Hector Navarro, and sitting across from me is my good buddy, Mr. Keller Knobloch. Say hi, Keller. Hello, Hector. How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you good. doing? I'm do- uh, this was a bummer of a fucking movie we yeah. just watched. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was a good movie, though. <sighs> it was a good movie. Our guest today, I am so excited. We had his co-host. For the Nerdificent podcast on just last week, talking about 1989's Batman, and I want to apologize again to Danny Fernandez for having Danny. So sorry to listen to me rant about that movie. I'm so sorry. It, it <laughs> oh, got did, ugly. You did, you did a rant. I didn't know it was going to make me upset. that mad. Oh, I got man. like legit upset. You like you really upset. felt the fact that uh, what's his face, um, Michael Keaton, Tim Burton, Tim Burton has never seen Batman. Thank you. Yeah, have you really Thank felt you. that in yeah. the movie? I yeah, mean, when you watch it, you're like, oh yeah, this definitely mm-hmm. is someone who hasn't seen a Batman. Mm-hmm. And and it's a dope movie on its own, but we were talking it's about, 
it's but like the idea that like the Joker is Jack Nicholson who kills there's cool stuff there's in cool it, stuff sure. in it there's cool stuff yeah. in it but uh, I still I'm, I, I basically the, my thesis was like I'm still sad that I feel like we have not gotten a a perfect correct pure adaptation of comic book Batman yeah in a movie you know what I mean and I think it's fair we've gotten realistic Batman in the Nolan trilogy I love it we've gotten Arkham video game fight scene Batman with Ben Affleck that's rad what's the closest anybody's actually gotten to a superhero nailing it on screen I'd say Spider-Man Homecoming Spider-Man Homecoming I felt like because that that. really did feel like the Spider-Man I knew like yeah, some, just a, a dorky kid mm-hmm. who's just trying to make it work and in a very diverse New York yeah like in mm-hmm. a very with kids that felt like kids yeah you know um I liked uh I think Robert Downey in Iron Man is really good mm-hmm. I think but that's it, not the comic character I it is for the most like part it. well <laughs> you it, like it, Iron it, Man it, that's a problem if you're it, thinking about the comic it books, is right? it isn't you know what I was thinking about was like if, if you read um if you were living in the 60s and reading Marvel comics and you read Iron Man comics, it would feel the way that an Iron Man movie does now where he's kind of snarky and sexy and funnier and, you know, okay. edgy or whatever. I think Captain America Steve Rogers is pretty good oh, in yeah. the movies. Yeah, like, he, yeah, it nailed it pretty much. And, and I think what Captain America did is exactly how Homecoming nailed it where if there... Because here's the problem with a lot of comic book movies and why sometimes they fall flat is when you try to really stay too close to the Mm -hmm. source material, you run into the problem that it's dated as hell, Mm -hmm. where instead you when you update it and you really kind of take the heart of it and put in something, it really works. And that's why Spider-Man works, because, yeah, you know, Flash Gordon was this blonde kind of Adonis Mm -hmm. of a person, but like that's not a bully now bully now is also kind of dorky it's just someone who just just wants to take out their Mm -hmm. own bs on you and that's what we money yeah and he's like in peter's peer group yeah exactly yeah specifically on the team or whatever yeah just calls him penis parker and there you go yeah like you know kind of funny not even that funny but has that ever happened in the comic like that's some great writing (laughs) it's really good (laughs) penis parker yeah it's really good uh, uh, I wish people in this movie were like Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's the point of this movie is that I think uh, the, the the director saying no one is like Captain America. Yeah. Uh, no one from America or anywhere is like Captain America. But our guest today, our guest today is, is like Captain is, America. Is like Captain America. Yes, he is. Absolutely. He is a writer, an actor, a comedian, an improviser. A, a curler host. of helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> a very... Uh, I think the internet says Thick Daddy. Is that where is that yeah, where yeah. we're at? Thick with two C's. Thick with two C's. C's. I throw extra um, C's on there. Yeah, and part of my all-time favorite improv group. One of my oh, like yeah. like my, an improv group that I first discovered when moved to LA, and I was like, oh, these guys are brilliant. And then got to know some of these guys, and and uh, I still will say like White Women is the funniest improv group. Oh, well, thank in, you so in much LA. for sure for for your money's worth. Oh, if anybody ever has, just go see White Women. Yeah, just mm-hmm. go see if White you Women. You want to see an improv show in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Definitely come. White. Please, Please do. Uh, yeah, no, and I miss your house party. That was fun, man. You know, shows. I think those are good times. There was nothing ever like it. It's done now. It seems it's like yeah, yeah. There is there will never be anything like it again. We'll have to do it at somebody else's house. If you want away is our guest, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, hey! Thank you so much for coming to talk about this movie. Oh yeah, we had some delicious Indian food, mm-hmm. and we're about to get into hey, guys, it. So Hector learned that he likes Indian food yeah. today. I, yeah, Ooh, we yeah, got a we fan. Had some uh, tikka. Yeah. Uh, chicken tikka. It's mm-hmm. delicious. Which is different I, than tiki masala, which is yes. the saucy yes. 
chicken tikka. We had a lot of people with dietary restrictions. Mm-hmm. Had some and keto folks, some uh, paleo folks <laughs> on the whole thirty. I just yeah. ordered what Ify ordered, and I was like, "Oh, this is delightful! It's so good!" It <laughs> was so has good. No restrictions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no holds barred. That's true. He went fucking nuts. I eat whatever, dude. <laughs> but I also like eating good, healthy food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, we got two uh, traditions here on the podcast, Ify. The first one we already let you know. And by the end of this episode, we're going to ask you to contribute a new movie that you deem worthy to be in a new list of the 500 greatest movies of all time. Last week, Danny uh, gave us The Nightmare Before Christmas. Interesting. I thought that you was would have went with a goofy movie. Yeah, it was actually yeah. almost something's got to give. It was almost something. <laughs> she was in a Jack Nicholson state of mind. Yeah. It was almost something's got to give. And some of the other movies on the list include Spotlight, The Ten Commandments, The Original Halloween, Tree of Life, Stardust, Newsies, The Full Monty. This, is, this thing runs the gamut. There's mm-hmm. so many different kinds of movies on here. Um, and uh, yeah, Jurassic Park, Conan the Barbarian, The Princess Bride. So... By the end of the podcast, you're All going to right. tell us the movie that you want to add on there and then why you think it deserves to be on the list of the 500 greatest movies of all time or a new list that Keller and I are formulating that by the end of this 10-year project, we'll have a new list mm-hmm. that um, you know people can look at. And the other tradition is that Keller's going to introduce the movie we're talking about today by reading from Empire Magazine, British Magazine from 2008 in a stuffy British voice. Keller, what are we talking about tonight? 457 Full Metal Jacket 1987 Director Stanley Kubrick After 50 minutes of Arlie Ermey shouting at Marine recruits during basic training, the Vietnam scenes of Stanley Kubrick's brutal war film are almost a relief. <laughs> oh man! Wow, they don't really give you a whole lot in there. Yeah, yeah. No, they don't. You, you just gotta run with it, I mm-hmm. guess. This movie's like, um, well, first of all, let's get overall thoughts. Ify, you had seen up to yeah the Vincent D'Onofrio Full Metal Jacket, you know, shoots yeah. Lee Emery and then blows his brains out. That's an incredibly effective short film, right yeah. there. Oh yeah. Well, that's I remember. That's what. Uh, so I, I mentioned that I saw this because uh, I, for a reason. Yeah, what's the reason? And the director of the short film Spinners that I did, which if mm. you haven't seen it, it's a short film that I'm in with uh, Timothy Chalamet. Holy shit. Uh, oh, nice. Where uh, we are two teens in a desert town that is uh, poverty stricken mm-hmm. and we get bullied and it leads to us trying to buy a gun and, you know, uh, I snap and chaos ensues. Wow. Uh, and so he, he he said he wanted me to have kind of this. He said Vincent D'Onofrio yeah. in that in mm-hmm. that uh, whole first half of the movie had like this kind of tick that he would yeah. do throughout to let you know that he's just not quite there. And he was like, "I want you to watch this, kind of study it, see how he's kind of staring off, kind of see him, and find something that you can do that'll mm-hmm. kind of like let people know that you're." Just a little off, and we literally just watched that whole first part, and then after it was done, he was like, "Yeah, that could be a short film on its own." Yeah, I was man. like, "Yeah, I don't need to see the rest of the movie. Like, this <laughs> was good enough." My God, what did you? I love that, by the way. That's great, like director actor collaboration. That's yeah. easy. Oh, yeah. He was like, "You come up with a thing." Mm-hmm. What did you guys sort of like land on? What did you do in the film? Uh, I th- I think it was just really the way I kind of stared. I mm. would just kind of stare off. And there's a really good shot. Uh, you know, this is going to be crappy for anyone 
kind listening. of listening. Mm-hmm. I'm going to describe it in detail. So if he, if he has so pulled out his cool phone. It's a very nice phone. He's got oh, a yeah, it's the iPhone XS cool Max. You know, oh, shit. I spare oh, no shit. expense Max. when it comes to things Ooh. I watch porn on. The screen is uh, bright. <laughs> you got to have a big screen. Yeah, exactly. You know? exactly. For the porn. Just for that final point when it slips out my hand and crushes my face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what Are you holding it above your... Yeah, of course, because oh, okay. I'm laying down. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Everyone's always like, oh, well, why would you do it on your... Uh, your phone is like because I want to lay down. Yeah, <laughs> can't lay down at the computer, y'all. It's a so great it's point. This opening great scene, point. and you're gonna see my eyes. I'll put the volume up so people. Okay, can. right now we have an upshot of the sun. Oh my god, majestic. What's he throwing? Is it's he sign spin? Sign spinning? Oh, yeah. very cool spinners. Bruce Lee, Twister, Captain Blender, Battle. Wow. Be a shot of Captain my Captain eyes. That's fun. That's pretty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man. Damn. Yeah. That, that, you know what's so funny is that you didn't even see the rest of the movie, but later in Full Metal Jacket, they sort of describe that thousand-yard stare yeah. is what they call it. That yeah. thing where it's PTSD, it's you know trauma, it's all these different things that, that uh, um, Vincent D'Onofrio's character went through, and we saw it in the first half, in the first chunk, but they actually like talk about it later, and so that's the kind of thing you pulled, and you can see it in that opening show. You kind of had that thousand-yard stare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was cool, iffy, man. and he was staring. Yeah, and he had like <laughs> he had like cool nerdy glasses on. Yeah, like, yeah his old yeah. glasses. My old glasses. Yeah, they're yeah. great. That tends to happen a lot. Is where a, a lot of the things I wear in roles are just my glasses. Yeah. Those glasses have been featured many a times. <laughs> they, they were for my Doctor Heels good character and Workaholics, that nerdy dork who wanted to join a superhero group. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was a nerdy dork standing in line for uh, Son of Zorn, those glasses nice. were featured. Uh, but now I've I've I nice still have the glasses. Spectacles. But yeah, I have got the these more nice cool ones. I, do you have yeah. like a uh, just like you open your jacket and there's just a bunch of different pairs of glasses? And like, mm. what do you need for today? the role? I kind of yeah. have yeah. Uh, for the role. Have a, have it on top of my drawer. Where it's like, yeah. what do I need? If you're gonna go audition for something, and they're mm-hmm. like, we need like a cool nerd. You're like, got it. Cool. I know. <laughs> Uh, so let's get if he's overall thoughts on Full Metal Jacket, the complete motion picture. Um, what did you think as soon as the movie was over? I really liked it because it was a, you know, I feel like a lot of war films nowadays, especially when it's just kind of what they're really trying to tell. You can kind of see transparency, the story. Uh, tr- you can kind of see transparently the story that the filmmaker is trying to tell with mm-hmm. theirs. Like when you have something like Zero Dark Thirty or mm-hmm. that one about Benghazi, it's very much trying to be like, these soldiers are everyday heroes and mm-hmm. you should join. Yeah. And this movie very clearly was like, war's bad. Everyone involved is bad. Mm-hmm. There's no winners in war. Mm-hmm. And you have to be uh, basically a piece of shit to really... War will only think. make you a worse person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And you can really feel that through it. And, but it, we were talking about it throughout the movie, which I thought was interesting because, you know, I've heard about Full Metal Jacket because when I was mm-hmm. in high school, there, was, there were kids who saw it and were would quote lines from it. Mostly that, like, uh, what was it, like the Mississippi mud steak or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that the funny was, thing, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like those funny Eskimo things. pussy or whatever. Yeah. Like those, those dumb, you know, yeah. I don't know what I've been told. Those yeah. kinds of things. Things, yeah. yeah, and it's and it's so interesting that you know when you hear it coming from like a 14, 16 year mm-hmm. old, you're like, oh, what what is this thing? But when you actually watch 
shit and see the nuance and what's trying to be portrayed as an adult, you're like, oh no, this is a very, this is a statement being made. Mm-hmm. Like there, it is a, it's a harsh. Statement. Yeah. A lot of, there, there are a lot of like just slurs being thrown around, mm-hmm. but it's not in the Tarantino sense where it's like, cause it's fun. And it's more <laughs> like to be like, this is driving home. Like one of the things that stood out to me, uh, the the most is when you see like the black soldier use a mm-hmm. slur like that mm-hmm. to me was a point being made that I think could easily be lost where it's like yeah. it just goes to show you that the way and I think that's why it is broken up into specifically two parts it mm-hmm. isn't a normal arc of a movie that's following these soldiers it is mm-hmm. the part of the brainwashing that they go through mm-hmm. and then the second part is the result of that and yeah. that alone just makes it great, of course, because it's Kubrick. There's a lot of amazing shots, a lot yeah. of you know, a lot of things to geek over as a film geek. Yeah. But I think as a story, and the story is trying to tell, and the fact that it came so fresh after uh, Vietnam, Vietnam yeah. ended in '75. This movie was made in '87. Mm-hmm. Kubrick was yeah. uh, was was alive and well during Vietnam. So mm-hmm. this is this was his story, and I imagine it probably took longer to come out because of what it is but it also is based off of a book too mm. uh yeah i think well and said the guy There's, that wrote the book was a was basically a drill sergeant joker was joker no, the guy oh who the wrote main the guy book was basically like, Matthew yeah, was a correspondent in yeah vietnam War. and saw the the horrific nature of humanity and yeah. saw the depravity the depravity of war or whatever yeah um that makes that makes a lot of sense yeah it, it it's it's a uh it's really tough to talk about this kind of subject matter because we don't want to like I, when I say we I mean like society you know I remember the 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 messaging after 9/11 was support the troops support the troops there was a big push in the United States to like we don't want to let th- what happened to Vietnam to what happened to the United States and to soldiers who were participating in or coming back from the war we don't want them to be treated the way they were then if we are going to go to war with the Middle East or if we're going to go try to, you know, find Osama bin Laden or whatever. So there was this thrust of like, hey, you might disagree with the war, but always support the troops. It's always about supporting the troops. And our understanding in the past 10, 20 years of PTSD, of these things is, is much different than it was when Vietnam was happening, I imagine. So there there is a there is a feeling of like you don't want to disrespect what these young men and women go through, but at the same time, Kubrick's message was, uh, like you're saying, Ify, the whole first part is, you're brainwashed and fucked up before you even go over there. It's a fucking draft also. They're yeah. taking anybody and anybody. everybody. They and do not give a shit about anything you've done or do or the way you think or the way you feel. Yeah. So. And that's kind of awful. That's horrific. Yeah, yeah you're just end up with the yeah. shittiest person of all time. Talk about. As go- the person who lives with you. Uh, Pyle. Talk about Pyle. Gomer Pyle. How you were yeah, saying, uh, like, they it. I think it's just like saying something about the draft because mm-hmm. he's clearly has issues and can't. He says he needs help. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and I, nobody's really helped. Like and he you was know. just drafted. They took anybody. Yeah, and like he obviously wasn't cut out for it. Isn't doesn't have the mental capacity for being mm-hmm. a soldier. Mm-hmm. For, for having that happen to you, that yeah. sort of conditioning and training and brainwashing Beat and whatever you want to. Oh, I mean, it was it was horrible, and it was really interesting and sad watching this movie 
with Chelsea because it just kept getting worse and worse. Like yeah. the way she was reacting to things that were happening, oh, yeah. it was like, yeah. At one point, she said she started feeling sick. Yeah, oh, the uh, it's, sniper scene. It's brutal, man. That whole thing was brutal. But just, but just the idea that Kubrick decides to, and again, this is probably a big part of the book, and it's probably the reason Kubrick even wanted to make this movie was because probably he read this book and he was like, yes, I want to tell this story in this way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'll say this too, sidebar about, um, uh, about Full Metal Jacket. Like, I really like this movie. I never want to watch it again. <laughs> it's too rough. Yeah. And I'm not, in, like, I'm not in love with the film enough to go and do a bunch of research on it. Like, I ju- I'm just kind of like... I do let, want it's, to watch the Ken Burns documentary. Yeah. Only to... Yeah. I don't know, because we've seen... How many portrayals of Vietnam have we seen now? <sighs> well, we saw... We were talking about The Deer Hunter... With Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, and that's different because that is, you go over there and everything's super fucked up. Christopher Walken barely wins in Russian Roulette, which wasn't even a a war, a thing that happened in Vietnam, but that was something that that director put into his movie as a way to sort of symbolize Vietnam, Uh, you know what I mean, and how people can get messed up over there. But the representation of Vietnamese people in both was, movies is oh, awful. awful. Oh, we oh, were yeah. saying this too with the Me Love You Long Time. Like that's yeah, still Me So used, Horny thing is me a so horny, sample in a song. Yes, and it's still used by racist people to this day to put down Asian people. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's crazy how whenever people say like representation doesn't matter, rela- I'm yeah. like, then how come people are still quoting this movie? Yeah. Like for Vietnamese people. Like it's bullshit. Movie. Of course it matters. Oh like, yeah, that's what's so interesting <laughs> because it does go to... Uh, just art in general mm-hmm. like you can you can you can't control what people take from your art for example fair uh just really seeing the signs and everything we know about storytelling and film we know that stanley Q- kubrick uh, know that stanley Hubert. kubrick <laughs> was against the war and hated like uh you know everything that went down and he yeah. and even watching it you could tell he kind of sided with the Vietnamese people and f- can see where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. And, but that still doesn't stop, you know, people from seeing this and like being amped up about the military and mm-hmm. war. Mm-hmm. It's, it, and it reminds me a lot of something that will always stay with me as a comic uh, is Chris Rock talking about his, uh, his, his niggers versus niggas mm-hmm. joke that mm-hmm. he said he had to stop telling it. Because people took that as an excuse to be racist, mm-hmm. like he. And if you didn't never heard the joke, uh, it's it, it, it's a pretty good joke. But it's a ba- <laughs> it's, it's like, a good bit. Like, it's a good bit. But it was basically saying like you know uh, you know you use the hard R for ignorant black people, mm-hmm. and you know right the rest of us use the the A, mm-hmm. and that you know and it, but like that. Speaking once again, how like you know, if if representation doesn't matter, me so horny, how's it still being used? Mm-hmm. I've seen even the uh, in this day and age, I um I was playing like Rainbow Six, Ugh. and uh, let see, me stop you right there, Ify. Are you saying that you heard uh, the N word while playing online video games? Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> but it, what was crazy was like <laughs> was there was like this young voice. No, it was actually like a like an older teen and the 10 year and the 10 year old called him out and was like, Hey, I don't think you're supposed to say that. And he 
was trying to explain himself. He was like, well, no, there's a difference. And I was like, no, mm. don't let this asshole try and tell you this. I'm telling you, there isn't yeah. a difference. <laughs> and you don't get to choose what people should be offended yeah, by. Exactly. Uh, Megan Kelly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, Megan I just uh, found out <laughs> about Megan what. Just what Megan, it's been a bad week for Megan's. Yeah. yeah. Well, fuck them. Um, <laughs> I like how CAA dropped her. Like, like her representation dropped. Yeah, exactly. I'm not mad about it. And it's, and it, you know what's funny too about the Chris Rock bit? Yeah. Do you think that um, Jeff Foxworthy ever had to stop doing his You Might Be a Redneck because rednecks were, you know, getting yeah. picked on? No. Absolutely not. No. He's still that. He's still doing that bit. That is his routine, and he will always do it because it's because that's knocking down people that are like not really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like knocking down like rednecks or some white people down a peg. It's like they're fine. Like it's you know it's not the same yeah. as uh, you know we've 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 had this conversation before, but people online have been like, "What's word? What's what's a worse word? Cracker or the n word?" And people just have to point out, it's like well, you didn't even I say love the n word. John Mulaney's like, bit exactly. About yeah. The oh yeah saying. Midget, and he's like, you can't say midget. It's like it's like saying the n word. He's like, no, it's not. You know how I know? We're saying the n word. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's so, so um, but no, yeah, it's 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 interesting that like Kubrick is is he's made a film and people will take it to however they want it to mean. But I still think that the message is pretty clear, and it's not a case of like. Kubrick making a movie and going, well, I'm going to leave it up to you guys. And it being ambiguous, like, I think he's very clearly saying how he feels about war. But I can see it going over half the world's of head. Of course, of course. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, like I said, when this thing was over, I was like, ah, this movie is fantastic. It is so rough. I think it should be mandatory viewing for young people, for teenagers, for people in high school, not only to learn about Vietnam in and historically, class. in history class, but also just like to learn about a bunch of stuff and the con- that historical context, to learn about toxic masculinity and how what, what would you say if he in that in that review on online oh, yeah. it was like war and porn are like the same thing yeah kind of a thing like they, they come from the same uh source or <sighs> something like that and they were trying to argue against it and it was like no it does it does that is accurate but keller you said if you're gonna show it to a person a young person especially you have to have that conversation with you gotta have that context that and you also have to like probably show another movie alongside it yeah i don't know we haven't seen, I don't know, a Vietnam movie that has good representation for Vietnamese people, no. really. No, like, Vi- like The best I can think of is Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. like, yeah, this basically was just like the only two Vietnamese, three Vietnamese women we saw. Two of them were prostitutes. One of them was a sniper. And one of them was a sniper. And I thought that that was incredibly powerful, though. That scene was that scene crazy. because yeah, it's like yeah, people have taken away like "Me Love You Long Time" for for decades now, but that the fact that the woman at the end who was who took out two, I think then three of their uh, no two of their guys three guys three guys yeah, it was the because the first guy uh, the second guy, the third guy the, stopped the third guy got shot through the <gasps> that's right their yeah, chief yeah three yeah in the brass Texas whatever that guy's name was yes, cowboy yeah, sure. cowboy cowboy yeah. got. Why aren't there horses the anywhere? <laughs> that yeah. guy. Fucking idiot. So, so as we were watching that scene and it was so like, tense. Give somebody a Vietnamese pamphlet. Like, <laughs> let them have a rundown no before shit. you send a dipshit no, in no there. No shit. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, that really powerful scene in Saving Private Ryan. That's another movie that I think is is historically very accurate to me. Still showcases heroism, but still showcases like these young kids that are just dying. And it's yeah. so sad and fucked up. And you're supposed to feel 
awful and you're supposed to not be able to breathe when you watch it but the scene where she was like sniping those guys we're thinking the sniper is this like gnarly vietnamese dude that's just like taking him out like you mm-hmm. know this big badass evil guy and it's like a 17 year old girl not even, doesn't even have a scope on that gun. oh my god and then she was saying like shoot me because she got shot and was dying and they're like we can't leave her here and that whole scene was i think kubrick being like this is fucked and you know we knew nothing about this woman but Y'all were drawing conclusions like this woman had her entire village destroyed. Yeah. She, in her eyes, this was justice. Well, and, it is. You know, it is. But even though the movie doesn't show us that at all, we just pull it just because of like we we are empathetic humans. Yes. You know what I mean? Just because because we're like, look at this bombed out village that she's shooting from. You know, these buildings. It's like, why would and she like be doing village, this? It's like a city. It was. Yeah. She's from like a ten story building. Oh my god! Yeah. So. Uh, if you're going to show this movie to young people, you got to have that historical context, that conversation. But I still think that Kubrick laid it out, man. I don't think... Oh, definitely. You know? I don't think he oh, yeah. was irresponsible with his art. I think he was very responsible with it. Yeah. And people are going to take... You know, shitty people are going to go, no, this means this, and it's like, you're shitty. You didn't hear any of this shit in history class. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of stuff you didn't hear in history class. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I... Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, movies is history. Movies yeah. is history. Movies is history, man. I've learned I've learned so much from just doing this for almost a, a year. Yeah. Uh, and we've had a couple of war movies. And I think, Keller, I think you're right. I think this is the best one so far. The Big Red One was okay, but Saving Private Ryan for but me. But that kicker at the end of yeah. Big Red One was similar to the shoot me scene. Which kicker? Remind Mark me. Mark Hamill shooting into that oven. Oh, yeah. Because just it was like a shooter in there. Yeah, yeah. To get revenge. And then what was the other? And then The Deer Hunter. The Deer Hunter was very good. Yes, but it's but again about a specific facet of of war, I guess. Yeah. And, Have you all yeah. seen? Had to watch Apocalypse Now? Not yeah. yet. Not that's, yet. That's, that's way up there, bro. That's in the top ten, I think. Oh, yeah. Wow. I think it's like the number nine greatest movie of all time. Working your way up. We're going no, from five hundred uh, to number one. So, so as bad as it gets to theoretically, the movie should be getting better. Please take a good better. gander at that. Yeah, tell yeah. us what you think. If you, here's where we start. Watch, flip it back one page. Here's where we started. Okay. And then we wow, watched all of these. Yeah, y'all have been going at it. <laughs> watch some trash. <laughs> oh, I love Saw. Saw. Yeah. Four ninety nine. Well, mm-hmm. I guess it is five hundred movies. Do you think so. it's better than Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> <laughs> But I will say there is some note because that is like Jason Wan. I mean, Jason. Jason Wan. James Wan's like first big one. And now he's getting ready. Well, he's producing La Urena, right? Oh, I think so. Yeah, because the director is a person of color. I think his Mm. name is Michael. is it Velasquez or? Well, I got a question for Michael Velasquez if he's the director of La Llorona because I've heard about this. I haven't seen the trailer yet. Why is Linda Cardellini in it? Is Linda Cardellini the lead? I love yeah. me some Linda but Cardellini. Like, she's she a white woman and she's the lead. You know, if I'm yeah. just <laughs> guessing based off of that horrifying trailer I uh-huh. just watched, uh-huh. her the mom of those kids mm-hmm. gets arrested okay. when she does some gnarly stuff, and I think she's taking them in, which will be bad. Uh-huh. Uh, because I, for example, there's oh. that new Mark Wahlberg movie about like blended families where like oh. the, the it's a white mom. Mm-hmm. She has two like just straight up, totally you could tell full blooded Latinx kids, mm-hmm. and oh, Mark yeah. Wahlberg's the stepdad, and I was like, watch, it's gonna be some shit where it's like the dad's not around anymore. Yeah, it's it, like it was that. I I think I saw uh, the trailer for yeah, that. That's and the reason not great right now, the, considering yeah. the fucking government is giving right? away children. <laughs> 
Jesus Christ. And I want to clarify, the reason I groaned when Ify Which told me the premise of that. Of genocide. Yes, it is. The reason I groaned is be, not because um, I don't think uh, like adopted families or mixed flam- families aren't a thing. They absolutely are. They're super valid. But it just reminds me of Fantastic Four when uh, Michael B. Jordan was cast as the Human Torch, Johnny Storm. Mm-hmm. His father, Franklin Storm, was also played by a black actor. So the Storm family was black. But then they had Susan Storm the invisible woman be a white woman that was adopted so that they could have a white woman be the invisible woman. Yeah. And it, it you know what I mean? So they're like, look, we got to add diversity because the fantastic four otherwise is four white people. And you're like, yeah. sure. One of them turned into a rock monster, but he's absolutely white. Ben mm-hmm. Grimm is like mm-hmm. a white Jewish dude yeah. from the Bronx from yeah. Brooklyn. So they tried to mix it up. They're like, let's make one of them black, but they still could not make half of them. But like Hollywood still was like, we got to have a white woman. We can't have a black woman be invisible woman. She needs to be white. She needs to be a blonde, hot white woman. Let's get Kate Mara up in here. Let's make it so that she is adopted. And that's, I I just groaned at the thing that Hollywood does. You know, it's like, it's so formulaic and like, so calculated. It is. Years ago when Will Smith did Hitch, the studio was like, we can't have Hitch, his love interest be a white woman. Let's have her be Latina. Like that, like specifically, oh, yeah. it was like 2003. It's like, we're not ready. Like, yeah. Come Meanwhile, on. Doctor Who has had just it, just tons of interracial relations. Really? Yeah, that's why I was Good saying that. The first thing when I started watching Doctor Who is, was like, British television has more interracial relationships in a season than American than, television than has had ever. Yeah. Because Friends it's just had nothing one. there. Yeah. Friends had one, I think. Did you get to that point yet? How are you? How far are you in friends, Keller? Did did Ross start dating Aisha Tyler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's happening okay. right now. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's directed by Michael Chavez. Michael Chavez, and it's produced by James Wan. Cool, that but it is it. written by Mickey Dotry and Tobias Iaconis. Iaconis. Okay, maybe one. Maybe Tobias Iaconis. No, he's I from Germany. Okay, that's gonna <laughs> Super do white. well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the you know, there's the, a story I want scary. to tell the most, which is about La Llorona. How does uh, he say my it? My favorite. Though? La Llorona. La Llorona. I want to make a movie about La Llorona. <laughs> but yeah, top build is Linda Cardellini. I mean, good for Second, her. I like her. But Raymond fuck. Cruz. There we go. And there we Patricia go. Velasquez. Mm. Like there it's, we have it. It, like, Let's on. see what else she's done. I'm di- I'm just disappointed. Make a movie in Mexico. Yes, just I'm make dis- a movie in Mexico. I'm I'm disappointed because this is the second time that the character of Bane has been cast by a white actor because they just announced that Bane was going to show up on the show oh, Gotham. Dude, yeah. I don't really care about. I'm not watch. I don't watch Gotham. I don't think it's a great show. Can, but can like, can we just take a quick sidebar to talk about how insane how many people who are around or younger than Bruce. Is showing oh, yeah. up in this show that's supposed <laughs> to be him being a child. Well, I think it's dumb, but they they revealed the character of Bane in the show Gotham, but they're like, this is going to be Bane's father, who's the first Bane, <laughs> and then eventually his son will be like Bane Bane. But Bane isn't, where's Bane from? Bane is from a fictional South American country, but so he's from how a South American country. So how ever be in Gotham come into Gotham zero percent in the in this story without Batman like is there like a foreign exchange student program <laughs> what's it's happening so it's so wild maybe and then you got the penguin kicking it looking mm-hmm. I mean based and then Catwoman was like way like an adult and I'm like no she was like the same age as Bruce Wayne oh, oh here's the messed up thing that happened Catwoman was the same age as Bruce Wayne she was like a kid like a teenager Poison Ivy, same thing, like a kid, teenager. Then they recast Poison Ivy. What? They made it so that this little girl who played Poison Ivy, she's maybe like 14 to 16, like fell through a hole in a house and landed in some Poison Ivy chemical stuff. And then when <laughs> she came out, older. she was a hot 
in her 20s woman that they recast Fuck and i was like that that's show. awful it was that's awful terrible to, i i felt so bad for the little girl actress little girl actress who was like they real science poison I got, ivy yeah i got written off the show because they wanted an actress that they could sexualize like they wanted yeah. to, to do this to this character oh my god like so. i'm glad they didn't do it to a 14 year old but sure but they did they did it to the character it's not like but the, also it's the, not like poison ivy became poison ivy as a child i know dude it's so dumb but basically, if you think about it, she still had the show brain of a fortune. What if cared at all about Batman? I don't know, man. I do no not know. No one cares. No. Dude, it's <laughs> Shut so up. wild. Keller's making fun of me from last no week. No one fucking cares. <laughs> Iffy. Uh, well, first of all, Keller, overall thoughts on Full Metal Jacket. Oh. <laughs> I feel like we've been talking uh, about it. I think it's a great movie. I will watch it again. Mm-hmm. I might like go see that in like 35 millimeter or it something. Probably, I will say, awesome. after seeing like... Uh, I saw 2001 A Space yeah. Odyssey yeah. in a fresh 35 millimeter at the Egyptian. Stony baloney. And I got to say, that's the way to see it. I, I, I've, like, that. I've seen it before and yeah. I'm like, uh. yeah. But here's, here's look, hear you me out. Stony I know, baloney, brother. Man, I've, never, I've never gone stony baloney. Stony baloney is my favorite Flintstones. <laughs> Side neighbor. Hey, a cast iron skillet just fell down near Kelly's yeah. feet. Are you okay? Oh, no. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm but yeah, no, it. I, I, Stony Baloney. Here's the I thing. Only go Stony Macaroni. I, 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 there's a lot of, a lot of stoners who are like, this movie you need to see. This movie you mm-hmm. need to see. Stone. I'm, I look bullshit. Bullshit. Okay. Is it 2001? Except 2001. Because the reason being is because the screen was so big and it was just yeah. in space that I was just so enthralled. And then the scene where there he's floating over to repair and it's all the only audio was his breathing. Yeah, I was forced to breathe at the same pace as him. Oh. So I was like super tense during that scene. Let me pitch. Like, let me pitch another movie to you because I'm not even a uh, Stony Baloney guy. I'm not. Yeah, but not. let me pitch this to he's you. Not. Just regular baloney. <laughs> yeah, I just like to watch movies while eating baloney. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's all that smacking going yeah. on in front of us in the theater? There's There's a good just movie. Red string. <laughs> yeah. <all laughs> just around his arms. Yeah, he's got bracelets. Here's what I'll pitch to you, Iffy. The movie from 2008, 10 years ago, by the Wachowskis, Speed Racer. Oh, yeah. Yes? Yeah. Is that a Stony Baloney movie? It. I haven't seen a Stony Baloney yet. <gasps> I've but not, you've I've seen, seen it, it normally. Sober Belober, and you so would agree. <laughs> <laughs> you would agree to watch it, Stony Baloney would be a better Oh, yeah. Okay. Because I remember walking out of the theater and the world seeming so much bleaker. I'm like, <laughs> why, why is everything, the sky's gray? Yeah. <laughs> Everything's blurry way over there. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of in focus and yeah. super bright neon colors. All right. Uh, Full I'll Metal Jacket is great. It's a great film. You, y'all should put it watch in 3D. it. Full Metal Jacket? Yes. Please put <laughs> no Full thanks. Metal Jacket in 3D. Speed Racer in 3D would be a trip and it would be kind of impossible and it would be a fun thing to try to do. Oh, because yeah. I believe in you. Just because 3D uh, implies that there is some kind of a natural depth. Speed Racer is a movie that is like uh, After Effects together. Like it's like a music video. There's not real. You're not, you know, the scenes where the sports commentators are talking about Speed Racer, they're flying by on the same exact yeah. plane. It's a pop so, like, book. if any of them, yeah, it's a pop, if any of them were had 3D depth to them, they would like run into each other and go through each other. It'd be a trip. It'd, It'd be, be weird. Cool. Iffy, tell us the movie you want to add to the list of the 500 greatest movies of all time. Something you believe is worthy of existing on the list. Harlem Nights. Harlem. Nights. It's a banger a movie. Boom. You have Eddie Murphy, you have Richard Pryor, you have Red Fox, you have uh um 
um what was his name? I was gonna say Eddie Murphy twice, but yeah, that's good. does he good. play Every, a couple characters? Is Charlie Murphy in the film? Uh, I think so. Okay, but let me let, let me get he's, the he's looking it up right official. Um, just I wouldn't be surprised if Eddie Murphy played a few roles. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's crazy. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at twenty five percent. I'm just gonna chalk it up Whoa. to racism. Uh, <laughs> Is it like yeah. a noir movie? Who directed it? Eddie Murphy produced it, right? Yeah, let's see. Let, let me give you all the stats. That thing. Yeah, no, this was like when he was still interested in making like movies, movies. See, yeah. It has a 6 out of 10 IMDb rating, and you know they don't play on IMDb. It was directed by Eddie Murphy. Oh, shit. Yeah, Di- that's right. Written and directed by Eddie Murphy. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So, and it had Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Della Reese, Damn, Jasmine man. Guy, Danny, Danny Alio, Michael Lerner. <laughs> Just now we Arsenio Hall, yeah, that's who oh, I was that's right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Stan Shaw, Lila Rashan, Berlinda Tolbert, Thomas Mikel, Michael Ford, which was Tommy from Martin, Robin mm. Harris, Vic Pelosios, Charlie Murphy was indeed in it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Ray Murphy Sr. I'm just trying to see any other um, Michael Buffer he was and, in there as an announcer. And you describe this movie iffy as like if they made it today, it would have like Chris Rock, Dave mm-hmm. Chappelle, yeah, like all of the prominent. Yeah, it's kind of what Top Ten was kind of trying to go for, which is like your prominent black celebrities mm-hmm. all together uh, mm-hmm. in a um, like a comedic movie event. Yeah, yeah. But that's not that funny, right? Top Ten. No, I mean Harlem. Harlem Nights is funny. It's a comedy. It oh, is okay. a comedy? Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was like a somewhat serious movie. Yeah. No, uh, but it's not like a spoof, like Airplane. Like, it's like set in like a, a, a sort of a film noir world, right? Well, yeah. It's like, it's almost like the Harlem Renaissance top five is what it's called, not mm. top ten. Top five is what... Um, and uh, it's, it's just kind of like... Let me read the synopsis. Please. Please. Please so, do. So you can get it. Uh in the, in the waning days of Prohibition, Sugar Ray, Richard Pryor, and his adopted son, Quick, Eddie Murphy, run a speakeasy called Club Sugar Ray. Oh, when gangster Bugsy Calhoun, Michael Lerner, learns that Sugar Ray's place is pulling in more money than his own establishment, uh, the, the Pity Pat Club, he pays corrupt cop Phil Cantone to close Club Sugar Ray down. Quick doesn't exactly help the situation when he falls for Calhoun's gun mall, Miss Dominique LaRue. Mm. So uh, that's awesome. That'd be a good and one. You to, would put this on the list of 500 greatest movies because it's funny, because it is. Oh yeah, it is an important piece of like black film history. Would you say? Like, yeah, it was like a too, big deal. Definitely an important piece of black film history. But I think also a good look of like if you want, you can watch that movie and mm-hmm. every top build stand up you can go see, and they those are like. The comics who really changed the game for black comics and yeah. eventually guys like me. Yeah, uh, it was it was genuinely funny and it was a world. It was basically it was a the a type of movie that at the time you didn't get to see black people in. Like it's the mm-hmm. prohibition era mm-hmm. and they're making money, so you're seeing like yeah. black people in power making money. Mm-hmm. Doing, you know, like mm-hmm. like it isn't a slave movie or anything I like know. that. It's just like a really fun. It's it, which it, it, it's a. I would love to. I would have loved to see the pitch because I imagine like <laughs> if you pitch a movie like that, you're like, but they're black. Wouldn't this be white people? Because it's the yeah. prohibition era. Yeah. But Eddie Murphy was that dude back then, so he was like, no, it's with black people, and they're like, yep, you're right. Yeah. 
And he, and how can you say no? Exactly. Number one to Eddie Murphy. Exactly. Number two to that cast in general. Who, who's yeah. who is debatably like at, at like the zenith of his popularity at oh, that yeah. point. Like he, you know, he Eddie Murphy was like the number one movie star in oh, the yeah. world. He, I was, feel like. he was a fucking rock star. He, he had to do a new special. Just so Eddie you know, Murphy. I don't know. Uh, top five. These are the top built cast, mm-hmm. which is confirming that this is this was like their Harlem Nights. Mm-hmm. Chris Rock, Rosario Dawson, Kevin Hart. Adam Sandler, Gabrielle Union, J.B. Smooth, mm. Anders Holm. Mm. Just saw him the other day at Second City. Yeah, cool. Oh, uh, yeah, we we're both doing a benefit show. Um, right kind of remembered me from when I was on <laughs> Workaholics. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer, Jerry Seinfeld, wow. Carly Red, Michael Che, Romney Malco, <laughs> Leslie Jones, Jay Farrell, good friend uh, Haley Marie Norman, wow. uh, Sherry Shepard, Tracy Morgan, Whoopi Goldberg. Damn, oh DMX. When did Top 5 come out? Uh, that, I remember when that came uh, out. Yeah, that came did out a Chris few Rock years ago. Chris Rock write and direct that? Uh, it came out in 2014. Let me give you the deets on the writer and director. Okay. Uh, the deets on writer and de- director. I know Chris that. Rock directed something. Uh, you are very correct. You wrote and directed. Okay, it yeah. is, yeah, yeah, I'd say it is. It's uh, Chris Rock doing the new is it good? Harlem Nights. Uh, it's all right. It, got a, <laughs> it, it honestly has... Almost the same score on mm-hmm. IMDb, six point four out of we ten. We can chalk that up to racism. Yeah, yeah. Chalk that up to yeah. racism. Too. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, that's an awesome. Pi- that's an awesome pick, man. Thank Fuck. you so much. You know how Keller, we said we were not going to just do this again for another ten years. When we're I think done? we should. I think we should just next year, <laughs> just like just like watch every movie that we haven't seen. Yeah, yeah just start a sub podcast of the ones yeah. that people are yeah. adding. A sub podcast that'd be great. Subcast. Uh, if you why don't you tell everybody about Nerdificent? Oh please. yeah, Nerdificent is the podcast I do with the person you heard last week, mm-hmm. Danny Fernandez, where we do nerdy deep dives into uh, many different nerdy topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hector has been on mm-hmm. and has blown us away twice in a row. Uh, just just the way that Hector, you know, you hear him on here. He knows how he knows to gush about things. <laughs> it's it was a good. You know time. what you got to have Keller on for. Ooh, Whenever nothing. you guys get to the inevitable. Wes Anderson episode. That's the oh, one. Okay. Wes Anderson filmography. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Keller can come. Oh, that's your that. guy. That's your guy. Oh yeah. yeah, we'll have you on for Wes. Yeah. All right. I was hoping that Speed Racer <laughs> made money, but no, it did no, not. No, it came out the week after Iron Man. Oh come so, on. And then like a week or two before Indiana Jones four. Like it got demolished. It got crushed. Yeah. So it wasn't even their fault. It wasn't no. even their fault. No, and it that movie is is I think is brilliant. It's a cult. But it is classic difficult now. to market. It's yeah. difficult. You cannot tell in a trailer hey remember this cartoon you vaguely remember from when you were kids well don't expect fast and the furious the movie expect a fucking cartoon that is live action that is super colorful and it's for kids but it takes itself very seriously come watch speed racer like that's a tough thing to put Dude, in a trailer. i feel like if it came out now it would yeah, crush i agree yeah because people right now audiences are hungry for that like give us something different like yeah. you know give give us a colorful you know colorful weird thing like i agree yeah yeah, I think it would do really well. Give us well. a stop yeah. motion Pinocchio. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Give us a fish fucking movie. Sure. Yeah, sure. I wish you that was it. stop motion, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would have shown it then. <laughs> they would have shown that dick. They would have yeah, shown yeah. the fish fucking. Um, I don't know that was that. Will, that's what was interesting to me is they showed. Uh, um, what's her name? Sally uh, Sally Hawkins? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they showed Sally Hawkins boobs, but wouldn't yes. show us that fish dick. Yeah, oh, yeah. they won't yeah. show us a CG dick? Yeah. yeah. 
It could, Come on, hey, guys. listen, knowing Guillermo del Toro, it would have been fully prosthetic, like practical. Oh, yeah. That yeah. dick would have been. Oh, that's a good point. CG. That yeah, dick would have moved been, around, would have had six eyes. Doug Jones like, would have you know, acted in it. Like, yeah. Just kidding. Now had that you say that, <laughs> knowing Guillermo del Toro, he probably did make it. They yeah. saw it, and the studio was like, no. It was yeah. a fully functioning, like, opening class yeah. thing that something came out yep. of. Yeah. It sounded like Kronos or something. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to try and tweet dick. at Guillermo de Toro and see if... Uh, hey, did you make that dick, but it just got cut? Did the dick get cut? <laughs> did the dick get cut from the picture? Real GDT. Real GDT. Yeah, we're live tweeting real GDT. Yeah. Hey, right really excited about Pinocchio, but before that... Thank you for pronouncing it correctly. Can you answer <laughs> a question about Shape of Water? Pinoch. Pinoch. <laughs> Fucking stuck for Pinoch. We are... If he's literally tweeting right now, this Who's is Who's going to be Geppetto? Uh, it's probably going to be Ron Perlman. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> or Doug That's Jones. That's going to be weird. It'll be Doug Jones. Just kidding. And he'll be Pinocchio. Yes. Oh, Doug Jones. Yeah, he will oh, definitely be I Pinocchio. I want to know what that's going to look like so yeah. bad. I think it's hilarious that after all of the shit that Guillermo del Toro has worked on, he's worked on Blade, Hellboy, Pacific Rim, you know, his own original stuff, Pan's Labyrinth. Devil's Backbone. D- you know, yeah, Devil's Backbone. He worked on The Hobbit. Like, all the things he's worked on, and... This is the thing he said that his that no story has ever connected with him more than Pinocchio. I'm like, that's crazy. I feel like he says that for almost that, every right. Movie. It's like because that's like, what he said about Shape of Water. He's like, I he's saw like, that. Uh, that I had thing. to tell the story. I yeah. always wanted to see creature from the Black Lagoon, but like, would they fuck? Like, yeah. I wanted to see them fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to take it one step farther. So that's why I made this movie. Yeah, he, he said the, the same shit before he wrote the movie. When Blade Two came out, he's like, I've never been more connected to a script until I did Blade Two. <laughs> It's like, all right, Gamo. Uh, but like the story of Pinocchio, yeah, I haven't sense. read the original. No, neither. Text. I'm only I'm only going off of the Disney thing. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got too. But I've like, I've got no strings to hold me. I'm a donkey. And then he, then he falls. Eats shit. It's so funny. It is funny. It's really, really funny. That is. And the don- and then okay. the pleasure island scene is horrifying. Still it is day. real GDT. Yeah, me and my friends have been wondering: <laughs> Did you make a private part for the amphibian man, or and the studio passed, or never got around to it? <laughs> dude, tag me in that. Dude, oh yeah, no, 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 I'm, I'm about to CC you right now. <laughs> have you even watched those special features yet, dude? No, I haven't yet. See, I need to. Probably like uh, features. <laughs> I know he's like, going to be like, look at the special mm-hmm, features. Mm-hmm. The dick. I can't wait. Because they even touch on the... It's probably in the commentary. I, hope, I bet it is. They even touch on the... Hector, um, do your game with the tour doing the commentary about the dick. So everybody's been asking me about the dick in the scene, and I originally <laughs> put it in the script so that Sally would to, to describe the dick, and I told her on set on the day, I said, come up with something that you think would be like a good dick for the amphibian man. And she made her hands go like this, and I said, that's going to be in the movie. And then we called Weta. Yeah. <laughs> and then they made it. That, that's what I'm hoping I have ten comes from the, from the tweet, is he sends like his sketches. And yeah. I'm like, thank Please. you. The head of the penis has an intricate curvy design on it. It's, it's like Aztec. It's been yeah. tattooed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it is like a sharp angles. Is the head of the it's dick. It's a pyramid. Yeah. Everything I know about GDT. <laughs> points to the fact that he has thought about it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like he probably sketched it in his sketchbook. 
And him talking about it would still make me cry if he was yeah. like, accepting in a speech or something. It's yeah. like, the dick represents how people are oppressed in the 60s. You're I've never like, collected anything more than yeah. this dick. <laughs> yeah, like, he's so good. He's so good. He's so good. I love him. He's so good. I'm glad he won the Oscar. That's great. I love him, I love him so much. Oh, man. <laughs> That's my hobby hunter from Raising Arizona. Oh, but talking about good. Guillermo del Toro. I love him so much. My science. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's pretty much going to do it. Overall, guys, Full Metal Jacket's a bummer of a fucking movie. But talking about it with you guys made me feel better. Now Yay. I can go to sleep. Yeah, I like that movie. Um, yeah. Don't ever go to war. Guys, it's don't sad. go to war. If someone asks you to, say hard pass. Yeah. yeah. I'm good. Love. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. I got to go to Canada. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> that's what my Mexican mother said. That's mm-hmm. how much she loves the country of Mexico. She was like. <laughs> Count your sperm. She's go like, to Canada. Yeah. She said, keep track of your sperm. Go to Canada. She said, number one, if Trump gets elected, if there's a draft, we're going to go to Canada. That's what she said. And I was like, all right. Cool. We'll sneak up there. Sure. I like that yeah. she's going with you. Even yeah, though man. She wouldn't be affected. Oh, she's for like, sure. She's like, I'll go. Yeah, I'll come. Yeah, she would not be affected. I'm like, Mom, you're you're like 53 year old <laughs> Mexican woman. Like, I don't think they're gonna draft you. But she said she'd hit the road with me, so that's pretty tight. If you where can people find you on the internet, and what would you like them to see? Any projects or anything that oh, you want? Yeah. Or any shows you want to promote? Anything? Go. Well, they can catch me at Ify Wadiway, I-F-Y-N-W-A-D-I-W-E on Twitter and Instagram. Definitely check out BuzzFeed Multiplayer. We got a lot of fun stuff cooking up <gasps> Cool on there. Cool. And uh, yeah, just uh, stay tuned. I got some cool stuff coming out. But uh, Stuff you can't talk about? Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. I like Listen that. Listen to 100%. Go see White Woman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Buy your stand-up that. album. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. What's the name of your stand-up album so people uh, can get it on iTunes? Yeah, yeah. The Community College Dropout. It's Because a good, I made that album bef- when Kanye was still cool. You did. And you made that album before Tom Cruise's The Mummy came out. Yeah. And in that album, you're like, I'm calling it. It's going to be a hit. Oh, and you were wrong, man. Yeah. Well, you know, you can't. I can't be right about everything. But I really felt that that was the movie. You'd <laughs> think that Tom Cruise would carry, enough, yeah. carry it enough. Yeah. yeah. And wasn't it the guy who did the Mission Impossible movies? No, it was the guy Chris who McCorry did wrote the Star it, Trek least. movies. Did he? Yeah. No shit. I he thought it was Alex Kurtzman. Wrote it. The Mummy, really? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. still curious about it. I need to watch it. I heard it was bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, what made me... Uh, Feel bad as they were trying to plan a whole oh, yeah. cinematic universe yeah. around it. It was, did not. Ha- that that's what happens when you try and plan the cinematic mm-hmm. universe yeah. before the movie. They should have had Russell Crowe be a post credit scene. Yeah, you know, sure. Like Nick Don't Fury put him in the movie. Yep, exactly. That's on them, but that's on them. I'm not mad because it's He's like, like in the first five up. minutes, and it's like yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I'm building a team <laughs> of monsters of gladiators, monster Avengers. <laughs> Of, of, gladiators. of beautiful minds. Of beautiful I need a team of beautiful minds. Uh, guys, next week we're watching what movie, Keller? Next week we are picking up the list to find out that the movie is 28 Days Later. 28 Days Later, Danny Boyle. Just after one. Halloween, we're watching the Zambia movie. And uh, our guest is going to be Mr. Burt Jennings. Nice. Hey. He's stoked about it. Burt called this movie like seven months ago. He's like, like uh, but it's going to be in seven months. Like, okay. And yeah. And uh, I think it is rentable on I Amazon. Own it. And so you own it, everybody so Everybody come over <laughs> to see it. Uh, and that's it. So guys, catch us next week. Go watch 28 Days Later. Go rent it on Amazon. I think it's like three bucks to rent. And then uh, we'll see you on Monday. And huge thanks again to If You Wide Away for coming and watching yes, thank a sad-ass so movie. Thank you much. It was a good time. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad it was. All right. And we'll see you guys uh, next week. Yeah, we'll see you there. Go watch The Chip of Water. It's a good movie. <laughs> Fish stick. Fish stick.
You see, this, the testicles are like, the pubes are like curled like an Aztec. There are six testicles. Curled like an Aztec? It's curled like Aztec pubes. All right, bye, everybody. Aztec bye. Pubes. It goes around yeah. at right angles. <laughs> Until it goes into the middle. Exactly. That's an Aztecian pube. Aztecian pube.